Welcome in, everybody. Episode 52 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Thank you for being with us again this week. Coming to you live from a Las Vegas hotel room that has questionable Wi-Fi, so hopefully it does not die on me in the middle of this week's episode. Darren and Andrew with with you on this week's episode, and it's going to be a basketball-heavy episode. So much going on in the sports world right now that we're going to try to fit it all in Fit it all in here in the next couple of weeks. Now that baseball is up and running again, major deals happening there. Trades happening all over the National Hockey League. NFL free agency going crazy. We've got NASCAR. We've got UFC. We've got WrestleMania. So much to talk about. I'm trying to figure out how to sprinkle it in here over the next couple of weeks and get all caught up. But we are in the midst of March Madness right now and the playoff push in the NBA. And we are going to have Andrew kind of give us the lowdown on what we're expecting. We're just going to jump right into this, starting with the men's Sweet 16. Then we'll go over to the women's and finally some NBA. Your first game, Thursday night. You can kick back and mute the TV and listen to this episode while you watch Gonzaga versus Arkansas. According to my schedule, that is the first tip time on CBS. The Zags, the number one overall seed, the favorite. And then Arkansas, four seed that... Yes, a four seed, but we were very, very nervous. Vermont was a strong 13, and whoever won New Mexico State or UConn, we thought was going to give them a challenge. You've got the Razorbacks and the Dogs here in your first game on Thursday night. Yeah, I think this will be an interesting one. Um, I could see Arkansas keeping this close for a half. I think Gonzaga kind of prevails in the end. I don't know if Arkansas really has anybody that can match up with Drew Timmy all that well. Um they definitely have uh, the guard play to match up with the with the Zags guards, so that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. But I think Drew Timmy and maybe a little bit of Chet Holmgren could be the difference in this one. Um, I don't really like what I've seen out of Arkansas in their first two games. I mean, they played a strong Vermont team, a New Mexico State team. Um, that game, I don't know if you watched that game at all. That set the game of basketball back about 40 years, a game that finished in the 40s. So um, that's what an Iowa State I, game should look like. Yeah, well, we'll get to them in a minute. But um, it's Arkansas is not inspiring a lot of confidence for me. Um, I think truly that Memphis was actually a better matchup for Gonzaga than what Arkansas will be. And so I expect the – the Zags prevail rather easily. The line is nine and a half. So Vegas agrees with me. I don't know if I would sprinkle any money on that nine and a half line. Um, I think if I, if I were to take it, I would probably take Arkansas because I do think they can hold it within a nine and a half line just because they could maybe muck this game up and make it a little bit ugly. Um, we've seen them win that way. And I think that's really their chance is if the game gets kind of mucked up made ugly that's kind of arkansas's chance to pull this one out i am in las vegas as we speak so i may just take your picks and go do an eight game one dollar parlay see what i can hit on uh that sounds like a winner to me um i'm about 50 50 if i would take the zags or arkansas on the spread there so it's really flip a coin with the spread there but i, I think uh, gonzaga money line is a sure bet and is it just me? I have not really been blown away with Chet in this one. I get he's the top overall draft pick, one of the top three picks this year. Yes, he's tall and long, but I felt like a lot of flopping. And if Gonzaga is going to do this, it's going to be Drew Timmy, Nemhard, um, blanking on the other guy. It's going to be the veterans. I don't think Chet's going to be the make or break for them. He's a nice bonus piece to have. 
but I think if they're going to make a run here, it's going to be Timmy leading the way and, you know, he'll add 12 and 10 and it'll be a nice piece to have. I think they'll eventually pull away from Arkansas Lake because Arkansas is just so hard to, t- to trust. I'm with you. I think Memphis is a better team than Arkansas right now. So I think the Zags eventually pull away in this, but it's going to be the veteran leadership making the difference, not the super freshman. I'm with you on uh, the Chet Holmgren thing. I don't think he's looked over in, overly impressive in his first two games. I think right now his value is more um, rebounding defense. He's he's a little bit, not quite of a defensive enforcer, but he is a shot blocker. And so he does force teams to alter shots around the rim a little bit. So that is kind of the the value that he adds. Drew Timmy is not really a rim protector. He's a good interior post player on offense, but not so much on defense. And that's kind of the value that Chet Holmgren provides. He's going to be a high NBA draft pick based off of the potential of what he could be. We've seen him do things in the passing game. We've seen him do things with handling the ball. Um, He hasn't really had that game where he's kind of put it all together. Maybe this is a spot where he finally does that, but we haven't really seen it yet. And so I don't, I don't see Chet being, um, the difference. I think it being uh, Timmy, Nemhard, Strother, Rasir Bolton, those guys kind of leading the way for the Zags. Who is the guy in blanking on last year? The other big white dude they had with Timmy, who I think he was a first round draft pick in the NBA. Why am I, why can I not think of his name? Mm, last year's team, am, not, not Jalen Suggs. Um, they had another guy drafted. Why am I blinking on his name all of a sudden? I'm sure I could look oh, it up. Uh, but not not a, not a big guy. He was more of a wing player, three point shooter, uh, Corey Kispert. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he was a deadly three shooter, uh, three point shooter. They had uh, Kispert would have been uh, great on this team. That right. would have made this team uh, nearly unbeatable. But um, as it stands, I think they they are beatable. But I don't think Arkansas is the right matchup for them to be beat. Going over to the Southern brackets, the next game starting at seven thirty Thursday night, depending on whichever time zone. I believe I'm looking at the Eastern time zone for that. Tip-off time at 7.30. My national champion pick, Villanova, the two-seed, had their hands full with Ohio State, had to come back in that one, crush Delaware in the first round. But they get this mercurial Michigan team that's impossible to figure out. I argued they shouldn't have been in the bracket. I thought they would beat Colorado State. I didn't expect them to what I think was a pretty good handling of Tennessee. Michigan, impossible to know what you're going to get from them. They could be a Final Four team. They could get blown out by 30. I'm going to trust Villanova with the coaching and Gillespie, uh, Colin Gillespie, the star there. It's Villanova. It's going to be smart basketball, tenacious. They're going to get after you. But give me, I I can't jump ship now. I got to stick with Villanova to take down Michigan. Yeah, you've been hot on Villanova and I have not. The problem is, is that I'm not really um, high on, uh, on Michigan. And uh, is this an 18 and over podcast? Uh, because we, we, we try to be family friendly, but every well, time, once in a while, something slips in. I just want to, I just want to say, I think, uh, the double D's from Michigan are coming, uh, Dickinson and Diabate, um, mm-hmm. that kind of size could give Villanova a lot of fits and Michigan, uh, really against Tennessee, they were kind of flowing their offense through Dickinson in the post, uh, Devonte Jones went down in that game and he's their point guard. And so they kind of turned Dickinson into like a post player playing point, kind of a point forward kind of thing. And it was working out rather well um, against Tennessee, against a team that I thought was hot, that was going to roll possibly on to the final four. I didn't pick it, but I I really kind of had Tennessee in my mind as 
um, a Final Four team out of this region. Um, I eventually landed on Arizona, who's my national champion. And so I think uh, that size, um, Michigan kind of control the pace, bang Villanova down low, and they don't really kind of have the answer for Dickinson and Diabate when they're, when they're doing that and they're doing it well. And that's what they've been doing in this tournament. I think we're just going to see more of that. So um, this is a, a dangerous Michigan team now. I think they've kind of figured some things out and I, uh, I like Michigan to pull off the 11 to two upset here. Oh, no, no love for Villanova. Michigan should be a top four seed. They let's just admit they were a huge disappointment. They have no business being on the 11 line. With the, I believe Juwan Howard was the national coach of the year last year. Dickinson's been there forever. Michigan always has a veteran-laden team, so they, Michigan should be better than an eleven. But I, I'm sticking with Jay Wright. I love Jay Wright. I love Villanova, and I don't think you were on the show where I dropped this little stat. The last two even year, even numbered years, we had the tournament. Who was the champion? Villanova. There we go. They would have won, but COVID got them in 2020. Yeah, and. uh you know, I'm hoping for for no repeat of that. Uh, I'm hoping for a different champion than Villanova this year, and I'm uh, I'm rolling with Michigan. This is actually a team that was preseason pretty highly thought of, uh, picked to win the Big Ten, had the number one recruiting class actually. Diabate, Caleb Houston, Terrence Williams, all those guys were kind of highly ranked recruits, and and none of it's kind of panned out the way they thought it would. But some of those guys are kind of rounding into form here in the NCAA tournament at the right time, and that's why I'm taking Michigan. We are going to go back over to the West here, going in chronological based on when your tip times are. So Thursday night, the third game at 9.30. We're going to find out who's going to play Gonzaga. We have Texas Tech and Dukes. I believe, is this the only region where we have chalk? One, two, three, and four. Gonzaga, the one. Duke, the two. Texas Tech, the three. And Arkansas, the four. So the only one where the top four seeds made it this far. Duke, the two. Texas Tech, the three. Tipping off at 940 East Coast time on Thursday. You've got Texas Tech, who we thought was all about that defense and then exploded for 97 points against Montana State. I don't know where that came from. And then we got Texas Tech edging out Notre Dame and a much more appropriate score for those two teams. It was a six-point differential, but I don't know that Texas Tech was really challenged. And then you've got Duke. Uh, I think Duke has looked really great so far. They're not quite as up and down as Michigan, but I never know what to think of this team. They have disappeared at points throughout the year. I, Of the three we've talked about, I think this will be the closest game, but I'm going to stick with the Blue Devils. Mm, this is a very interesting clash of styles because what you have is a team that's mainly an offensive team with Duke. They can play a little bit of defense when they when their life depends on it. When it counted against Michigan state, when they were actually really getting challenged and in a spot where I thought they might lose the game to Michigan state in the second round, they were able to lock in, get some stops and lean on their offense to bring the game home. Um, but that they really want to play a game in the 70s, in the 80s. They don't want to get into this 50-point game with Texas Tech. And that's what Texas Tech is wanting to do. And that's what they're going to do. They have the multiple guys that they can kind of throw at Paolo Banchero, who is kind of the guy um, for Duke who kind of initiates everything. They can throw Bryson Williams. They can throw Kevin O'Banner. They can throw McCuller. 
Terrence Shannon. They got four guys on the court kind of at all times where they can where they can really frustrate Duke's offensive players. Um the one thing that I will say is Mark Williams, the seven footer for for Duke could be a little bit of a difference maker because tech kind of rolls with guys who are six, five to six, eight at all times. And they have those guys out there on the floor, but they really don't have anybody over that six, eight kind of six, nine range. And Duke's able to throw a couple of seven footers out there in Mark Williams and then Theo John. And so I think that may actually be where Duke's advantage is. It may not be Paolo. This may be a frustrating night for Paolo, another high NBA draft pick. I think if if uh, Texas Tech can find a way to battle on the boards like they have all year and really muck this game up and make this a 50s, maybe 60s kind of game, that's going to be a winning formula. And I'm going to pick Texas Tech to do that. This ends Coach K's career here. Texas Tech, the defense wins. And we're going to get a Texas Tech Gonzaga Elite Eight. Taking out two number two seeds. Two, I technically probably considered upsets. I don't have the betting lines in front of me, but if we're going by seeds, two upsets out of three games for you. Yeah, Texas Tech is a one-point favorite in Vegas, so it's it's practically a pick em, um in my eyes. So this isn't much of an upset, but by seeds, yes, I am calling for two upsets. And the last game of your Thursday night, if you're looking on your bracket, these are the four top games, your West and your South Regional. 10 p.m. East Coast time, Arizona, Houston. I did not watch every single game of the first two rounds, but I watched plenty of them, and I thought that Arizona TCU game was the best one. It was pretty late, and they were going back and forth. All in all, I just quick side note, I thought this has been an amazing tournament. The last couple of years felt like they've been off. We've had a lot of close games. A lot of back and forth seesaw battles. That Arizona TCU game was phenomenal, and TCU had every right to win that game. I think they just ran out of fuel, and you saw the depth of Arizona come through there at the end. You've got them in this Houston team that we have been disparaging for months, and Houston, a Final Four team last year, and they are proving us wrong. They smashed UAB and took it to my beloved Illinois team that looked awful in the tournament. So I will concede you may have been right about Illinois, but we have both been wrong about Houston. Either way, I'm sticking with the Wildcats. Yeah, you mentioned that Arizona TCU game. I think that's been the game of the tournament so far. Um, and we may be in for another game kind of like that here with Houston. And I'm willing to, you know, take my pill and say, hey, I was wrong about Houston. I thought maybe the injuries to key guys that they had kind of would uh, would drag them down kind of when tournament time came around. Um, and I was really kind of looking forward to – the storyline of uh, of an Arizona and Houston, uh, sorry, Arizona and Illinois um, Sweet 16 matchup, which was a classic um, Elite Eight matchup, if you remember back in 05. But also those teams met in Champaign and Arizona was able to pull it out um, in a very close game as well. I was kind of looking forward to a rematch between those two teams, but I honestly think that this is going to be a great game. Um, Arizona is a one and a half point favorite, um, 33 and three. I'm, I'm curious if Arizona will be able to take advantage of the size advantage that they're going to have. Illinois had a size advantage as well, but they weren't able to take advantage of it. Houston did a great job of taking that away, taking Coburn away and forcing Illinois into being the three point shooting team. 
And I don't think Arizona is going to fall into that, that trap that the Illini did. They're a little bit more well-rounded. Um, dare I say, well-coached. Um, I think Tommy Lloyd is a, is a great coach. And they kind of have a game changer in Ben Matherin that I don't think that Houston has. And that's why I'm going to pick Arizona here. And just a quick eating crow moment for me. Illinois had no business beating Chattanooga. I think that they got some lucky calls there late in that game. As much as I love this Illinois team and Kofi, man, they look bad in the tournament. They should have been beat by Chattanooga, who I would say is of all the 12, 13, 14 seeds. I think Chattanooga was the best one and <sighs> stupid Illinois, but go Arizona. We got to get Houston out of here eventually. Eventually, but they aren't going to go down easy. I think this, I I'd said Arizona TCU was the game of the tournament. This could absolutely be the game of the tournament thus far between Arizona and Houston. I think looking back on it now, we can obviously say that Houston is hilariously underseeded as a five seed should be closer to that three or that two line. And they shouldn't even really be in this position um, where they're having to play Arizona in the sweet 16. Um, I think hilariously underseeded. So and uh, you've talked about officiating a couple times, and I think – I don't know how much you've watched. I don't want to get too far into this, um, but there has been kind of a talking point that officiating on the whole has been sort of hilariously bad across the NCAA tournament this year. And uh, I would agree that Arizona TCU game is actually a great example of it. Um and then you, you talked about Illinois Chattanooga. I know there was definitely some questionable things there. Uh, more games where there was questionable things as well. And I think on the whole that um, the officiating has been a little bit of a struggle this year. I just don't want to go too far into it. Yeah, we don't we don't want to get fined for disparaging the refs. No, we uh, if they're listening, we love you guys. Was that 2005 Illinois team? Was that like the Darren Williams, Luther Head, D Brown? Yes. Was that those guys? Was that 2005 when they were really good? Yes. Maybe yes, lost like so. North Carolina in the championship. Yep, That's they lost to North Carolina, and uh, maybe uh, I I believe that was a Tyler Hansborough. Was team I thought that was before? I don't know why I remember some of these random teams. Like there's certain things from the last ten years I can't remember. Well, but you go back oh, to the that might have was that like Sean May, Rashad McCants, that Marvin Raymond Williams Cohen. guy. Yeah, Raymond that, Felton, Martin guys. Williams. Yeah, actually, it was those guys. Yeah, not Tyler Hansborough. But in, anyways, um, that was a – but if you remember, that, I believe that Elite Eight game was uh, maybe double or triple overtime, and it was just an absolute classic. So, um, Going to Friday night, starting at 7.10 East Coast time, 4.10 on the West Coast. We have Cinderella, Cinderella in the dance, Purdue versus St. Peter's, the Peacocks, who took down Kentucky. They ruined this big brother, little brother. I love when the tournament does this, where they give you an opportunity. You think you're going to get the big powerhouse school, Kansas and Wichita State kind of things. They set it up. Murray State and Kentucky, who I believe had never played before in basketball, Murray State in Kentucky, and then big, big blue blood Kentucky. St. Peter's had other ideas, taking down Kentucky in the first round and overtime game, another fantastic one. And then Murray State, St. Peter's beat them both. So state of Kentucky, not loving St. Peter's. And they were really in control of the Murray State game. 
and they are here to take down Purdue. I've picked Purdue in the past. I really like this Purdue team and Matt Painter, but I've been burned too many times to stick with them. St. Peter's is fun. I, a team that burns me in a Cinderella that I just don't have as much faith in as I should. I think this is where the magic ends for St. Peter's though. Purdue is huge. They're always huge. And I don't know how St. Peter's matches up with that. So I'm going to leave, leave the analysis to you, but I'm just going to a knee jerk reaction, pick Purdue. That's about what I was going to say. I mean, this St. Peter's run has been kind of fun. Um, obviously it's always kind of fun when a 15 seed does something unexpected, like make a sweet 16. Um, we saw it last year with Oral Roberts and how fun that was. Um, we're seeing it again with St. Peter's. wonder if this is just going to become a trend um, where we're going to have to really think about some of these 15 seeds in the future. And uh, if you remember, St. Peter's is from the same conference as Iona. Um, so to get here even, they knocked out Iona and Rick Patino in the conference tournament in order to get here and to even be in this position, to be in the sweet 16, to play Kentucky, to go through Murray state. And, uh, you know, I really thought, Hey, this isn't the best representation of the, um, MAAC, I believe is where they're from. And I thought, you know, Iona would give some team a better shot as maybe a 15 or a 14 seed. And, uh, congrats to St. Peter's coming out of, absolutely nowhere um but you're right i think this is unfortunately where the magic ends and purdue is big but they also have a lottery pick and Jaden ivy who i'm not really sure that uh st peter's can match up with the lines purdue by 12 and a half um gonna give st peter's a little more credit than that i, I wouldn't take purdue i'd probably actually take st peter's on the spread here but i think purdue will win the game um probably by about 10 or so yeah, I, th- I think St. Peter's does hang with them. I think they're they're well coached. They've got great guard play I've seen so far. Uh, Shaheen Holloway, I don't know what jobs are available out there, but I feel like he is going to be quickly rising up some of the ranks for these well, Power 5 school coaching jobs. Well, Shaheen Holloway, if you remember... Um, I've never well, heard of him before three days ago, so no. Uh, well, okay. Um, maybe I'm just a freak who remembers Shaheen Holloway from his days at Seton Hall. The last Jersey-based college team to make a Sweet 16 was Seton Hall with Shaheen Holloway as the point guard. Um, Seton Hall got bounced in the first round by TCU. Um, You talk about job openings. Kevin Willard from Seton Hall was just hired as Maryland's head coach. I think we're going to see Shaheen Holloway back at his alma mater based off this run. And I think uh, the Seton Hall fan base is going to be excited about that. It's too bad for St. Peter's. They're going to lose an excellent coach, but um, I think it's just too natural of a fit. For some quick history here, and this may not be the most reliable source I'm looking at, but since 1985, the lowest seed to ever make an elite eight, we had two 12 seeds. One of them was Oregon state last year. And then back in 2002, Missouri, made it as a 12 there's never been 13 14 15 or 16 seed making the elite eight at least since 1985 so that history is against st peter's but hey somebody has to be the first umbc had to be the first 16 to beat a one so it'll happen eventually but i don't know that st peter's has the the firepower to take it to purdue i agree and going up 
Uh, across to the Midwest bracket, the team that everybody loves to hate, the Kansas Jayhawks. Another team really hasn't been challenged that much. I know Creighton was with him there late, but I felt like Kansas, again, was in control. And the team that I continue to doubt and hate on week after week after week, and it's now starting to bite me, Providence. I thought they were going to lose to the Jackrabbits. You got me so excited about South Dakota State, and I just was dismissing Providence to begin with, and now they have rolled in two straight games. Kansas and Providence, probably a lot better matchup now than it looked like on paper a week ago. Tough for me to talk about this one, considering what happened to my beloved Hawks in round one. Um, Providence and Kansas, I don't really like either of these teams. I think this is kind of where we've kind of talked about how lucky Providence has been this season. That's kind of been a huge talking point around them, where they've won a lot of single-digit games. I believe they've won 12 single-digit games, including their win over South Dakota State. Um, I don't really think Providence has the goods to take down Kansas. I think Abaji, Remy Martin are kind of firing on all cylinders right now. McCormick inside. I'm going to say the spread seven and a half. I kind of like Kansas in the seven and a half. I would lay the points with Kansas here. Um, I, I think this is kind of where the run ends, so. Good run, Providence, making the Sweet 16, but it ends here. Yeah, it it hurts me to ever cheer for Kansas in a basketball sense, but this just looks like a cakewalk bracket for them. I, looking at this bracket, I thought Auburn was the only team that had a chance to beat them, and Auburn disappointed more on that in a minute. This Midwest bracket is just setting up so nicely for Kansas to roll right through it. No, I'm going to say that, and Miami will somehow take them out, but with Wisconsin gone, LSU gone, Iowa gone... Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I think Kansas is probably has the easiest road to the final four until Monday when I have to suck it up because they lost to Providence. Wouldn't upset me in the least if they did somehow lose to Providence. Um, wouldn't upset me at all. I just don't think I see it happening. And the next game that night, going back out west, the 940 tip time, North Carolina and UCLA. Of these four, I think this is the best game. UCLA is a team that I've been in love with, and they had a close one with Akron and then hammered St. Mary's. UNC taking down Baylor, destroyed Marquette, did their best to lose to Baylor. I think, what was it, 25-point lead they gave up? We've been talking. We thought Baylor was the weakest one seed, and they proved that. UNC, I don't, I don't know where they lost so bad early on that they're down at the eight, but they've looked great here in the last month, and we've talked about it several times. They destroyed Duke. But UNC is an eight. They're far better than an eight. UCLA there at the four. I still think they're underseeded. I I think this is going to be a high-scoring matchup, both teams getting into the high 80s, and I think this one comes down to the wire, but give me the Bruins. I, I agree with your assessment that this is definitely going to be the best game of the night. Um, I saw as that was unfolding, North Carolina blow that 25-point lead, and... Again, I don't want to bring it up, but some questionable calls going in favor of the Baylor Bears to maybe make that a little bit closer of a game. Um, I think the biggest factor here is going to be the depth issue. Carolina is actually a team that, surprisingly, they ride their starters. Um, they've kind of found their five, and it's it's a pretty good five. The problem comes when they have to rely on their bench players 
Um, UCLA is just a little bit deeper of a team. They have an excellent starting five, but they're also able to bring in guys off the bench who can give them valuable minutes and be more reliable than what Carolina has got. Um, I think UCLA is kind of on a mission. They made it to the Final Four last year. They came up short against Gonzaga. You'll remember the Jalen Suggs miracle shot that um, won that game for them and moved them on to the championship. Um, I think we might be on a collision course for a, a UCLA-Gonzaga rematch in the Final Four, and uh, UCLA might actually be a team that's on a mission. So give me UCLA, although I do think that Carolina is going to make this interesting I'd probably stay away from the spread in this game. If you want to make a money line pick, I'd take UCLA. What do you do? You say the over under? Do you have that in front of you? Um, a real quick look at the over under one forty one and a half. I do like the Ooh. over. Yeah, you need the over on one. That's a good one. Yeah, I think this is a this is a borderline game where both teams are in the eighties. So I like it. And last. But not least, the best game of the entire weekend, Friday night, 10 o'clock for you folks on the East Coast. Stay up and watch this. 10 seed Miami, 11 seed Iowa State. I don't know much about Miami. They took down USC in a coin flip game, destroyed an Auburn team, and I don't know what Auburn team that was that showed up in the second round. But Miami's here. Iowa State in their rock fight, ugly offense. They beat LSU, who didn't have a coach. And Wisconsin, and I don't know how they managed to pull that off, but it was as low scoring and terrible as I was anticipating. Iowa State, Miami, I, despite my fandom, I just can't pick Iowa State because they, they've just been so up and down this year. So I, I'm going to abstain from picking. I'm too nervous to, to invest. Okay. Um, yeah, they, they beat a team without a coach in round one, um, and they did it by – heating up from the three-point line, 12 for 39 or whatever. Uh, Iowa State hitting 12 threes in a game this year. Uh, that's kind of uh, not not normal. So that, you, that, that, uh, that LSU-Iowa State game was the ugliest basketball game I watched in the entire tournament. Iowa State was forcing turnovers. LSU was giving them the game, and ISU run down, chuck a bad three. Like, oh, this is, this is one way to play offense, but it was the, uh, it was the opposite of the TCU-Arizona game as you were yes um and then in the second round they didn't shoot nearly as well they only hit three threes which i think that makes a little bit more sense um given what we've we'll seen out of iowa state for the year um but wisconsin man i don't know what what got into wisconsin but they shot 22 threes only made two of them that's not the typical Wisconsin shooting performance. They're a little bit better of a three-point shooting team than that. They're a little bit better than 9%. They're closer to a 30% team. Um, so I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that Iowa State has gotten lucky to get this far because I do think they've played well enough to get this far. But there's, there's been a little luck pushing the Cyclones away. Um, Miami is a team where they're, they're very guard oriented. They've got three um, solid, reliable guards, Charlie Moore, um, Isaiah Wong, Cam Magusti. And I think those three kind of match up well with Iowa state's three of Tyrese Hunter, Gabe Kalsher, Isaiah Brockington. And then I think 
what the difference might actually be here is uh, the stretch for Sam Wardenberg that um, I think he might actually be kind of like the X factor in this game. He really hasn't lit it up yet. And I'm going to take Miami to cover the two and a half. I think this is kind of where it ends. Unless Tyrese Hunter just goes off like he did in round one, I think this is kind of where the line is for Iowa State. So it's been a good run. They're here. Props to them. But I think this is maybe where it is. So, And take the under. Take yeah, the under. It's yes. an it's an Iowa State game. Correct. The over under is one thirty three. Let's let's take the under. Yeah, I don't. I think, think this I, is. Yeah, both teams are not getting the sixty points. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. I think this is something like a like a sixty five to fifty seven kind of game in Miami's favor. So let's get your final four here, and then we'll jump over to the women's bracket. So we'll just start where we're at. You've got UCLA and Purdue, correct? Correct. Who's coming out of the West? UCLA. Kansas versus Miami. And we thought we'd have that matchup. Well, this is what we anticipated when the brackets came out, obviously. Right, right. Uh, give, me can- give me Kansas. Kansas and UCLA, Blue Bloods. Then we have Gonzaga and you went Texas Tech. I did go Texas Tech. I think it's just too juicy for a Gonzaga UCLA matchup in the in the final four. Give me the Zags here. And then Michigan, who would be the de facto Cinderella here, and Arizona. Arizona's my national champion. I can't pick against them. I do think Michigan will put up a fight, but Arizona over Michigan in the Elite Eight. And look look at this, all this parody and the craziness and the St. Peter's and the 11 and 12 seeds making it. And at the end of the day, final fours, Blue Bloods, UCLA, Kansas, Arizona, and I think Gonzaga's graduated to that Blue Blood level right now. So as much fun as we have in these early rounds and the, the crazy ways, all these different ways the brackets can break at the end of the day, as we said last week, that cream does rise to the top. Yep, absolutely. And if we want to go one step further, I think we're going to be looking at an all Pac-12 final, UCLA and Arizona. A garbage conference, but the top end, best in the country. Absolutely. We are going to jump over to the women's bracket here, and thank you, ESPN, for your terrible layout of the women's bracket. First two rounds, beautiful. Third round, I don't know why they suddenly went crazy. Uh, let's see. We are starting. What do we have third a day staggered? So Friday, Saturday for the women's bracket. And who we have first here, two identical start times. According to what I'm seeing here on ESPN, you've got the number one overall seed. My pick to win it South Carolina versus North Carolina, the one versus the five South Carolina versus UNC. At the same time, you also have Ohio state versus Texas. I don't know which direction you want to go on the women's side here. I know, I, know, um, I know you don't like to acknowledge South Carolina. Oh, no, I, I hate them. Um, I will be actively rooting against them, and I think that means I'm rooting for Iowa State in this region, Yeah, which is, is kind of gross, too. But uh, I'll, uh, I'll root for that. You could um, cheer for North Carolina. Well, I'll option. absolutely cheer for North Carolina. I just don't realistically think they're going to win. So 
I think uh, South Carolina will will win here. And then uh, what I've really liked what I've seen out of the Ohio State women. I watched a little bit of them play. Um, I believe they they blew out their last opponent in the hey, second round. Hey, hey, who who is who was that opponent? Oh yeah, it was uh, our favorite coach Kim Mulkey. Um, <laughs> Your so favorite waving, coach. Yeah, waving goodbye to Kim Mulkey is one of my favorite March traditions now. Um, I think uh, Ohio State keeps the run rolling, and they roll right on through to the Elite Eight over Texas. In Texas, we talked about this last week. Don't get as crazy in your bracket with the women. There's Yes, there are two 10 seeds in the Sweet 16, but a lot more chalk on the women's side. Very rarely do you get teams outside of that one through five seed. So Ohio State catching fire, they may be that team this year, but even just as a six seed. Women's bracket, I believe all the one seeds are still standing and most of the twos and threes are still there. So the women's bracket, you have a lot more of that power consolidated at the top. You're not going to see your 15s and your 16s winning as much here. I think South Carolina continues to roll in that one. And I'm going to go against you. I'm going to stick with Texas. They haven't really been challenged yet. Ohio State, got to give them credit for taking care of LSU the way they did. A close early game has me a little bit nervous about them. So I will, I'll just split with you on one of those seven o'clock tip offs. Sounds good. And we, we are down a couple of two seats. Um, I think this is probably one of the more upset heavy women's tournaments that there's been. And there were even a couple of um, double seats that gave teams a first round scare, which I thought was, uh, was good and impressive too. So uh, maybe we are inching, inching ever closer to parity in the women's tournament as well. And hopefully you get there. You don't want to see 50 point wins in the tournament. We don't want to see too many South Carolina Howard games. Yeah. As as one example, there's a couple of those sprinkled in here, like North Carolina, not North Carolina, UConn's tradition of winning by 40 plus in the tournament or whatever craziness they do. Well, uh, I was more referring to the Howard women scoring eight points in a basketball game, but yeah. um, So, and also on Friday nights, you have the 930 tip-offs. You have Stanford and Maryland, defending champion Stanford, one of the Blue Bloods in women's college, and Maryland, who scoring buckets left and right here in the women's tournament. And then you have Iowa State and Creighton. We're probably going to gloss over that one. The Iowa Slayers that are Creighton looking for their second uh, Hawkeye State team. I like Iowa State in that one. A little bit lower scoring than I expected for what they're able to do. They had a tough game with Georgia. I think I'm required to pick Iowa State here because I bailed out on the last one. Creighton was a gritty team and impressive defense in the game that shall not be mentioned. So give me <laughs> give me Stanford and Iowa State here in the 9:30 game. Yeah, uh, we can mention that game. I watched it. I obviously wasn't thrilled. Uh, you talk about gritty defense. I hate to make excuses. There were a couple times where uh, they just uh, tackled Caitlin Clark and uh, it was let go. Um, to say I was less than thrilled with um, some of the calls or non calls was a uh, bit of an understatement. Uh, I, uh, I think uh, that's an issue that needs to be addressed and, and fixed for next year. Uh, we talked about the men's tournament being bad. I think on the whole in all women's basketball, I've watched it a lot um, this year, a lot more than in past years. I think it's a real disservice um, to the women's game um, to have officials that are not the greatest. 
And I think it's been that way kind of all season, not just in March Madness or in that one game. I think uh, the women's game deserves better than that. So just my two cents, just my two cents. But I will take Iowa State over Creighton um, as well. I think uh, too much offensive firepower from the Iowa State Cyclones for Creighton to keep up with. Unless they shoot like they did on Saturday, then they might have a, a fighting chance. Yeah. Will it make you feel better if Iowa State just shoots out the lights on Creighton? Uh, it might. It just might. Um, yeah, I think that might actually make me feel better. So I'm, I'm sort of cheering for that subtly deep down. Switching over to the Saturday games starting, and these are actually at four different start times. So we will start with the 11.30 tip time. NC State versus Notre Dame, I would say this year the women's game has mostly been South Carolina versus NC State to determine your winner. Notre Dame, um, they score a lot of points. I don't really know what else to tell you. Is that Muffet McGraw? Is that Notre Dame? I believe so. Uh, I I don't have enough to say about this. I'm just going to go with NC State because they have been one of the overwhelming favorites all year, and they are flirting with 90 points a game. Yeah, I think uh, NC State will uh, will prevail here. Could be a high-scoring affair. Could be fun to watch. But um, like you said, South Carolina and North Carolina State have kind of been the two best teams. I did not make a pick for this the Stanford-Maryland game. I'm going to go Stanford real quick just to throw that okay. in there. And going around that same bracket in Bridgeport, you have Indiana, kind of a – I know they're a three seed, but still an upstart. I don't think of Indiana as being an elite women's team. One point nail biter win. They got over Princeton after smashing Charlotte in the opening round, but they get to take on mighty, mighty UConn, a UConn team that I don't know what to make of them after the first weekend, the two seed, they win by 50 points in their opening round game. And then they win a low scoring, ugly game over UCF of all people. It's I, I can't bring myself to pick against UConn. And Indiana doesn't really inspire a lot of faith after the Princeton game, but I would not be shocked if the Huskies get stunned in this one after their bad second round game. It's just, I'm I'm not going to pick against UConn before the elite eight. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you similar in thought. A part of me wants to pick Indiana. I've seen them play. I've seen how they can um, really muck up a game and uh, grit and grind their way. Um, to a win. Um, I'm just not really going to pick them. UConn barely pulling it out over UCF was very surprising. I watched the end of that game, man, UCF, if they were just a little bit better at shooting free throws, they probably actually had that game in the bag. And we're looking at a Indiana UCF sweet 16, which I think would have been the biggest surprise of the weekend, but I'm not picking against UConn either. Give me UConn to the elite eight. We go over to the teams facing off in Wichita, Kansas. You've got Louisville, the one seed, and Tennessee, the four seed. I watched the end of that Tennessee-Belmont game, and Tennessee had no business winning. Belmont was ahead. Is Belmont in Tennessee? Or at least close by. Uh, Thought it was going to be one of those uh, big brother, little brother things. Belmont absolutely should have won that game. Tennessee, I don't think, is quite that good. I Yes, it's Tennessee basketball. They have the aura, but I think Louisville may actually run over them in this one. So give me the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm with you. I watched a little bit of Tennessee Belmont as well. And you're right. Belmont is actually in Tennessee. I believe it's Nashville. 
is where Belmont is. So um, that would have been great. Belmont would have pulled it out, but not overly impressed with Tennessee. And I think Louisville rolls as well. And lastly, we have Michigan versus South Dakota. I think everybody's on this on that South Dakota bandwagon after they take down Baylor. The Michigan women did beat the Villanova women, so predicting the future for the men's side. Uh, fun to run for South Dakota. We're all fans, but I think Michigan. And what I what I think will be a low scoring game between these two teams, but give me Michigan to get through this one. Yeah, I think uh, Naz Hillman is just too much in this one, and give me Michigan as well. And, and you're right. Maybe uh, the Michigan women beating the Villanova women is a little bit of a predictor for the men's side as well, but Nas Hillman too much Michigan, too much of a team, maybe on a little bit of a mission as well after things didn't quite go as they planned in big 10 play. Um, give me Michigan here. So getting your final four predictions here, you have Louisville versus Michigan to come out of the Wichita regional. Yep. Um, I will, I will roll with the big 10 here and I will take Michigan in the upset over Louisville. Going back to Bridgeport for what probably would be the game of the tournament to this point, NC state and UConn to go to the final four. Yeah. Um, this is where I pick against UConn for the first time in this tournament. I I just don't think they're on the same level as they were last year. Um, good team. I think this will be a great game, as you mentioned. But uh, South Carolina and North Carolina State, I think, are just by far and away the two best teams. And uh, give me North Carolina State here. And we go up to the region where you're falling in love with this Ohio State team. You've got Ohio State and Stanford. Yeah, great run to the Elite Eight for Ohio State. I think, unfortunately, this is uh, the max. Um, I've seen Stanford play as well. Been really impressed by them. And uh, I think Stanford will take this one and and head to the Final Four. That's three one-seed South Carolina, Stanford, and NC State, and then the three-seed Michigan getting into your Final Four. Yeah, and and let it be known that I will be cheering for Iowa State in their in their Elite Eight battle against South Carolina. Um, I just don't think that the Cyclones have enough to to deal with everything that South Carolina's got and can throw at them. It's it's tough to compete against the best player in women's college basketball. The second best. <laughs> well, uh, that's an argument for another day, but. Uh, I uh, I don't even believe Aaliyah Boston to be the best post player in college basketball, but Ooh. that's uh, that's uh, that's an argument for another day. Yeah, we spent way more time on college basketball than I was planning. We have some NBA talk to get to before we get out of here. And I don't really know where we're going with this. Since March Madness started and all the NFL free agency, my NBA watching has severely plummeted. But as I look here, uh, Eastern Conference standings, you've got the Miami Heat, not shocking on top. Heat, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, those top four, nothing really surprising there. About time the Celtics got it going, 9-1 and one in their last 10. They were terrible before the All-Star break. They really righted the ship. Your two surprise teams, the Bulls and the Cavs at 5-6, and six, and then the uh, Raptors, Nets, Hornets, and Hawks. Uh, one of those teams matters, and that's the Nets, who are finally suddenly getting good. And as we're recording this, New York State policy changes. Kyrie can play home games. Uh, ben Simmons still will not play basketball because he hates basketball. but. The Nets are going to get hot at the right time. 
I think whatever happens in this little play-in tournament that I hate, I think they're going to kill the Raptors, Hornets, and Hawks. I don't think the Wizards or the Knicks are going to get right enough to make a run here. Uh, so what say you, Mr. NBA experts, on just kind of where we've been at in the last couple of weeks of the NBA for the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I think um, you mentioned Boston getting the ship righted. I mean, they've been really impressive, and that is just not a team that I would want to play um, in the first round. Um, right now, actually, as of tonight, currently, as we're speaking, they are sitting in the three seed um, by virtue of their win. They're two games back of Miami, just like Milwaukee is. Um, so we could be in for a really good second round there between uh, Milwaukee and Boston. And, and you're right. The team that matters here is the Brooklyn Nets and um yeah, congrats, Miami. Um, you worked hard all year, and um, got the one seed. And your reward might be having to play the Brooklyn Nets in yep. round one. So, <laughs> what if we get uh, Nets and Bucks in the first round? Though that's the, if you're the Nets, I feel like you want to get to that five or six and displace the Bulls or the Cavs. I don't. I do not love the idea of seeing the Heat or the Bucks versus the Nets in the first round. Yeah, I, I would be a little bit more okay if I'm a Nets fan um, with seeing the Heat than the Bucks. I think the Bucks are kind of the kryptonite for the Nets. Obviously, Giannis can counter everything that Durant does. Holiday can counter Kyrie Irving, and then you don't you don't have the James Harden. So then the X factor kind of becomes who's going to be that third guy for the Nets um, to offset what Chris Middleton does for the Bucks. And I don't think the Nets have that answer at every level. And I don't think that Ben Simmons would be that answer. So I think they can match up a little bit better with the Heat than with, with the Bucks here. So, um, yeah, if they could make a push somehow and get into that six spot or that five spot, that's just a little bit too much of an uphill battle. Although with the way the Bulls have kind of struggled and the injuries that have kind of ravaged them a little bit. There is a chance, but it's uh it's slim to none. So I think Brooklyn's looking at the play in tournament and they're looking at being a team who can maybe win that play in tournament and grab that seven seed. But I'm not sure you want to do that and face a Milwaukee team. Speaking of how are the Cavaliers still this good? Isn't everybody on their team injured? Yeah, um, that is that is another team that's dealt with a lot of injuries as well. Um, kind of the Darius Garland show. Um, he's been really stepping up in the absence of some guys. And Evan Mobley as well is kind of coming on, marking in. Kevin Love's been playing better. It's, it's a really interesting team. Um, I'm not picking them to do much of anything in the playoffs. I think they're a first round exit team still, but good on them for possibly avoiding the play in tournament and being solidly in the playoffs and good on you for uh, being higher on this cast team than what I was. I just don't like that. Who, Cause Colin Sexton, he's been injured forever. Jared Allen is injured. Kevin Love is a thousand years old. It's an interesting team makeup having all these forwards and centers to go with Darius Garland, who's an excellent guard. Um, but kind of when you get into the playoffs, you you need guys that can make plays for themselves. And the only guy that can do that for the Cavs is Darius Garland. 
Are you at all worried about a, if they make it in a Raptors, Hornets or Hawks stealing a first round series, or are those guys all just going to get served up to the elite teams? Yeah, I think, uh, I think they're kind of cannon fodder for the elite teams. And I mean, a couple of them are going home and I think uh, those might be the two that are, that are going home. I think the Raptors have a little bit, uh, I'm not scared of the Raptors if they make it in, but I think they're a little bit better, more consistent than a Charlotte or an Atlanta. I don't, I really don't know what's happened to Atlanta this year, but they're going to make the play in tournament, but I'm just really not expecting big things from them. Yeah. Which disappoints me. I really wanted to like this Hawks team. I I definitely thought they would, I thought they would be where the bulls are right now. Not that I'm mad at the bulls. I like the change of pace. I'm, I don't, I somebody get rid of the Sixers. That's all I want. Somebody knock the Sixers out so I can stop hearing about them. Well, I think, uh, I think the Sixers will, you know, unfortunately I think we are maybe on a little bit of a collision course because the Sixers have kind of looked at the Eastern conference standings and said, yeah, let's get into that four spot. If we can, let's take our chances against a first round matchup with the bulls and avoiding Milwaukee until the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's take our chances in getting a first round with the Bulls, the second round with the Heat or the Nets, and, you know, avoid a first round with the Nets by not being a two-seed. Avoid the Celtics. They're kind of playing a game of, let's take our chances with the Bulls and Heat, possibly, and work our way to the Conference Finals that way, and unfortunately I think that's a strategy that's going to work out. So get ready to hear a lot more about Philly over the next couple months or so. I can't wait for them to get in that three, six and have the Cavs kill them. Uh, I mean, uh, I wouldn't be disappointed. I don't think it's realistic. Just, I think Embiid and Harden would be a little bit too much. Um, but you could rest assured that um, a second round series between the Bucks and the, and the Sixers, wouldn't go so well for the Sixers, I don't think. I think that would be a a really brutal matchup for them as well. Miami's the one seed, and you still don't love them. I still don't love them. Um, We've seen this. Kyle Kyle Lowry in the playoffs. Can't count on him. Jimmy Butler is a little bit older. Um, not sure if Tyler Hero is really there to a consistent level where he can carry you on a night when Kyle Lowry's not getting it done, when Jimmy Butler's maybe not getting it done. I do like Bam. I just don't I don't have a lot of faith here in the Miami Heat. Speaking of not having much faith in teams, the Western Conference and the Los Angeles Lakers are so terrible. I I hung on as long as I could. I was like, they have a chance. They have a chance. Uh, They don't have a chance. They're going to get into the Western Conference playoffs, I still think, because San Antonio and Portland and Sacramento are not good. So as bad as the Lakers are, I still think they're going to at least make that weird little play-in tournament. They only have to get over the Clippers and the Timberwolves if they want to get in. We're one of those teams. The Timberwolves are the Timberwolves. They're 10 games over 500, which still doesn't make sense to me. So I'm not worried about them. The Clippers, I get it. They don't try till the postseason anyway. But looking at the play-in, I think the Lakers still have a shot at that seven or eight spot. Uh, But then you get into the tournament, and the Suns, the Warriors, the Jazz, and the Nuggets are there waiting, and I do not feel optimistic about that. Yeah, um, 
the Lakers are definitely going to end up in that eight spot. I am a little bit higher on this Minnesota team. I think they've really figured some things out. Patrick Beverly has kind of given them an edge that they kind of, that they kind of need. Yeah. That's what Patrick Beverly does. Um, I I'm really high. I think they're going to lock into that seven spot after the play in tournament. And we'll have a nice matchup between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. Now I think they're kind of going to be fodder for the Grizzlies. Um, the Grizzlies are a good team. I'm actually watching them blow out the nets right now without John Morant, which is kind of scary. Um, but they're, they're taking it to the nets without John Morant in the lineup. And there's just no way that LeBron's missing the, the, the playoffs. There's just no way that LeBron's missing the playoffs. So put the Lakers in that eight seed. Unfortunately, that means a matchup with Phoenix. We saw how that went last year for the Lakers. It's going to go probably about the same. Um, so the Lakers are, are kind of a round one exit kind of team, unfortunately. Although maybe LeBron can tap into his superhuman powers one last time and make it interesting. Just won't be good enough for them to win. Yeah, everybody else has caught up to them. And I think LeBron, he's still leading the league in points per game. So you can't say he's faded, but I don't know that he can put a team on his back the way he did three or four years ago and just carry anybody to the playoffs. He needs some better lieutenants. I don't think Russ and AD are it as much as I have been a Russell Westbrook fan over the years. They need to go get somebody. I'm not sure who's coming available this year, but they need a superstar. Damian Lillard, anybody listening to trade talks? Uh, they need somebody else who can be a great 1A and 1B with LeBron to get them over that hump. Pelicans are still terrible. They're not going to get Zion. They're no worry. I I just I cannot get into the Mavericks, and I'm, I am a little bit more cold on the Grizzlies than you are. But any one of those four, Nuggets, Jazz, Warriors, and Suns, I am very intrigued by how these playoffs match. I think the West, more so than the East, is really all about playoffs. No matter what happens in the East, I think you're looking at Nets, Bucks, maybe your Sixers with an outside shot. But depending on how this shakes out, and let's say the Clippers get right, they could maybe take down one of these teams in an early playoff run. Uh, but yeah, those those four teams, Phoenix, Golden State, Utah, and Denver, I could be convinced any one of those four is going to make the run. Yeah, I really think this is kind of a Phoenix's to lose. Um, I think there will be some intrigue here with Golden State, Steph Curry, injured will he be back will he be 100 percent and ready to go that might make things interesting if if curry's back and ready to go um dallas appears to figure some things out denver they're not going to get jamal murray back it doesn't sound like so that kind of cripples their chances i think uh utah solid well-rounded team but i don't think again can match up with phoenix i I really feel like we're in for Suns Bucks round two here in this NBA playoffs. And I mean, I'm here for it. Yeah, it definitely does feel like the way we're trending and the opportunity for Phoenix to get some revenge. Golden state is golden state. As long as steps fine, they're going to be a threat, but just going on their points per game, surprisingly low. I think they're sixth or seventh among the playoff teams right now. Only Dallas is worse than they are amongst the, those top six teams. Great on defense. They're one of the top on defense, but a surprisingly uh, mediocre offense from them, which concerns me a little bit when you think about, I feel like a, a Phoenix can get hot with, if John Morant's on Miami can get hot. Denver's got Jokic who can get hot. 
So any one of these teams, if Golden State doesn't have that offense right, I think they're in trouble. So if we played this out right now, you would have Phoenix versus you know the Clippers, an LA team. Grizzlies and Timberwolves is interesting. Warriors and Nuggets and then Jazz Mavericks. I think I could see that going chalk, at least those first four teams, those top four in the rankings right now. I How many more games do we have left? Let's see. Just randomly picking the Nuggets. They played 73 games. So what, we have nine or ten more games per team? Yeah, it, it depends. Nine or ten more games per team, yeah, roughly. But, I mean, do you really think that's going to change all that much? The Jazz could fall from the three to the six, or are we pretty you – know, pe- people are going to continue at the pace they're at. Yeah, I, I think um, – Nobody's I catching think Phoenix. Nobody's catching Phoenix. I think Grizzlies are kind of locking themselves into that two seed. Um, I think the Warriors will lock themselves into the three seed. So the top three are kind of set. There could be some variance from four to six. Um, maybe Minnesota can make a push and get into the six seed too. Um, it would really depend on what Denver does. I think the four through six could have some variance or the four through seven. Not really convinced that it matters all that much. I guess you don't want to be the seven and be in the playing game. I think it'd be more ideal for Minnesota if they could get out of that playing thing. Um, but as far as the first round going chalk, I could see Dallas beating Utah. I could see Denver taking down the Warriors, especially given the status of Steph Curry. That's obviously going to be the biggest thing. Although I could, I could still see it with Steph Curry in the lineup. I mean, Jokic and and the guys around him are good enough to get that done possibly. Um, So it may not be super chalky or it could be. It could be very chalky, and uh, neither one would surprise me. That's the beauty of the Western Conference. It's so wide open. I I can see your argument. I have no great argument against it. Suns and Bucks feels like we're trending that way, but just to be a little different, I'm going to say Brooklyn's going to get it right. They're going to move up into those top six here in the playoffs, and Durant leading the way, and we get full Kyrie, and I maybe Ben Simmons makes an appearance at some point in time. The Nets get healthy. I think they're going to take it. But, yeah, Phoenix just feels like they're miles ahead of the Western Conference, even though most of those teams behind them are not bad. Just Phoenix looks that good. Well, um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the Nets taking it on the chin tonight against the Grizzlies does does set you back half a game in uh, their pursuit of getting out of the play-in. I'm just not sure the Nets can do that but I appreciate the boldness here let's let's look ahead okay Miami that could be an L Charlotte win Detroit win we get a preview against the Bucks that's a good one Atlanta win Houston win New York win Cleveland win Indiana win that's one two three four five six seven eight nine that's nine games they go at least seven and two in that stretch works for me yeah that's a good that's a good stretch um We'll see what Toronto and Cleveland do. It really may come down to that game against Cleveland. Um, but you could be right. You could be onto something there. I just think they've they've given themselves a little bit of a hill to climb. It may be just a little too much. I believe in you, Kevin. Uh, do you want to have a quick two-minute fight here about who the MVP should be and why it should be Jokic and why you should just acknowledge him? 
Uh, well, I was actually going to go another way and say why it should be Giannis. I thought, I thought you were all over Joel Embiid winning this thing. I I I think it. I <laughs> I was really either I was between Jokic, Giannis, and Steph. I think Steph's out of it now. I I will be fine with Jokic or Giannis. But I thought you were all about Joel Embiid. I I have uh, flipped and changed my mind. Um, I I think it really should be Giannis because his advanced metrics numbers on offense blow Embiid's out of the water. His defense obviously blows Jokic out of the water. The man is the clear-cut front runner for defensive player of the year and is also in the MVP conversation. He's not going to get it. And it's it's because of voter fatigue. We've seen this with LeBron. He should get it. He won't get it. It will go to Jokic. I know this. But his offensive numbers are are sort of on par from an advanced metric standpoint with Jokic. He doesn't play as many minutes as Jokic does, so the, the raw numbers don't look the same. But it's impressive what he's doing nonetheless, and he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, as well he should. I just don't think that um, the press is going to give him both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same year again. So... yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, congrats pick, uh, to Jokic. Pick an, adv- pick an advanced category. Jokic is number one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So I think, and, and we're talking offensively because if we look defensively, then maybe Jokic isn't number one because defense isn't really his calling card. I'm an, um, I'm an American sports fan. I don't want defense. Okay. Well, I, uh, I like both. And uh, I think MVP should go to the guy who's the most complete player both ways. Um, And I know that's a little bit of an off-the-wall opinion to have as an American sports fan, but I believe that both matter. And there's nobody who's a better combination of both than Giannis right now. So I I understand why it's going to go to Jokic. I think the narrative is there. That's fine. I'm cool with it. But I think if we're being honest with ourselves, you know, Giannis, Giannis is going to go get his in in the playoffs. He he wants to go get his Finals MVP. He doesn't really care about the regular season MVP. Is there... he, he's more concerned with championships, Finals MVPs, and as well he should be. He's got the team to do that. Is there something to be said for this that you look at the tops and all these advanced metrics, and even just looking at standard scoring? that a lot of your best players right now in the NBA are big guys that can stretch the floor and shoot. Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns is maybe more of an inside player. But you have somebody like a Jason Tatum also there in the top 10. So if you have Tatum, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, big guys who can also shoot a little bit. And when we think about all these guards and you know, you know, smaller wing players, but it's these big guys who can do it all that are, dominating the game right now and we thought big men were dead in the nba yeah and i i personally love it and did you just call carl anthony towns an inside player the man won the three-point contest at all-star weekend i i I cannot picture carl anthony towns not standing in the paint uh i've seen some carl anthony towns i've watched i've watched his games he actually shoots five threes a game and hits it at a 41 percent rate so um i think you gotta rethink 
your mindset around Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's learned now. I think kind of what you're seeing with him is he's learned when it's time to take the three and when it's time to go bang in the paint. He knows how teams are trying to counteract him and he's got the counter moves to kind of uh, do whatever they're trying to do to stop him to kind of overcome it. It's sort of a, he's kind of made himself a little bit more unguardable this year. And uh, it's kind of a, a revelation that you like to see. So he can go inside or outside and he's doing both at a highly efficient rate. And this is maybe another conversation for another day, but I, I think I'd have a uh, Carl Anthony towns on my all NBA third team. Um, I'd knock Gobert out of there. Ooh. We may have to do some of those year end or, you know, before we do the playoffs, we may have to look at our all NBA teams. Absolutely. Um, uh, Carl Anthony towns is absolutely going to be on there for me. Well, we are at our hour. Any last minute basketball notes that we want to hit on before we duck out? Take all of my gambling advice with a grain of salt. Um, I, mean, I am, I am literally it. staying in a casino hotel right now. So yeah. Yeah. Go throw your $1 parlay on all eight of the games um, with the picks that I gave you, but uh, don't expect too much and uh, you know, do so, do so at your own risk and just, just enjoy it. It's really a, a great time if you're a basketball fan with March Madness and then the NBA playoffs coming up, the late season push in the regular season for seeding and, and things of that nature. The women's tournament, obviously, you know, that's a part of March Madness as well. So there's just so much good basketball. It's like you can't even watch it all because there's so much good basketball coming at you every day. So just uh, just enjoy uh, I realized we did not hit on the CBI or the CIT or the NIT bracket. Um, Our bad. Um, we should have maybe given a little bit more credit to those things. Um, they they can be mildly entertaining. I will say I've watched a little bit of some of those tournaments. Not much, but a little bit. Uh, so apparently the CBI championship, which I don't know when this is actually happening, uh, maybe happening tonight. Uh, UNC Wilmington versus Middle Tennessee facing off in the CBI, which is that college basketball insider. Does that sound right? Yeah. And that game actually did happen. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. A double overtime thriller between UNC Wilmington and Middle Tennessee State. UNC Wilmington was able to take it down. So, uh, they were, they barely beat Drake, actually. Um, for your local flavor, they beat Drake by one. Um, which Drake was the one seed in that tournament. So uh, I was really pulling for, for Drake to win that tournament. I think that would have been a nice way to, for them to end their season. And then you've got the CIT tournament, the college insider tip-off classic. Um, looks like we've only had first round games in that one, but you have USC upstate, Florida, Gulf coast, coastal Carolina, Merrimack, Youngstown state, South Alabama, Southern Utah, Eastern Washington, Western Illinois, and new Orleans in your elite eight or elite yeah. 10, whatever you call it. I have no idea which one of these, I don't, I could not tell you how the CBI or CIT teams are determined or like which one is more prestigious, but there you go. And in the NIT, it looks like we have. Semifinals of Xavier versus St. Bonaventure, 
and we are, I think these games are happening right now. We, by the time the show drops, we'll know you have Wake Forest versus Texas A&M and Washington state versus BYU. So two teams out of those four will make the semifinals to join Xavier and St. Bonaventure. Wonderful. Yeah, NIT, um, NIT. So there you go. Texas A&M did win. So they're one of the semifinalists, Washington state on top right now, of BYU. So we'll see. Um, can't say I'll, uh, I'll pay too much attention to any of that. Oh, well, sorry. I'm going to see if I can go get some bets. I need to go down to this casino and see if I get some CIT wagers. Best of luck to you with the, uh, with the CIT betting. Um, it's, it's an absolute crapshoot. <laughs> Correct. All right. Thank you everybody for joining us on episode 52 of the sports gospel, a bit of a unique show for us and figuring all this out with the travel and schedule. We'll be back next week, a standard show. I think I've got Austin back on the show. It's been, we're lucky to get him once every six weeks. So he's going to get us updated on what the heck is happening with major league baseball and some NFL. Thank you all for joining us. Take Andrew's bets with a grain of salt, but take them and go win some money. Absolutely. Goodbye.